Welcome to Health Matters at Sargent College. The mission of Sargent College is to advance, preserve, disseminate, and apply knowledge in the health and rehabilitation sciences. BU's Sargent College strives to create an environment that fosters critical and innovative thinking to best serve the healthcare needs of society. Each episode of Health Matters at Sargent College will include faculty, students, or alumni who will share their knowledge with you. I'm Karen Jacobs, the Associate Dean of Digital Learning and Innovation at Sargent College, and I'll be your moderator for each episode. Well, I'm delighted to um, have as our guest on this episode of Health Matters, uh, Natalia Lopez, and we're traveling to Miami where Natalia lives. And she started her time at Sargent College in human physiology as a major and then transferred to health science. She's an alum and um, we are so excited that she is also part of the Sargent College Alumni Board. So Natalia, thank you for being on Health Matters. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. It's my first oh, podcast. I am too. I'm so excited. I know this is your first podcast, so I want to make sure it's excellent. So um, how did you end up working in the clinical trials industry? That's kind of an, an unusual industry. Agreed. It was totally by accident. Um, I did have a little you know, interest in it. Uh, when I was an undergrad in health science, we had a course called, I think it was Quantitative and Qualitative Strategies, where we talked about the three phases of clinical trials and you know, IRB submissions. It was very high level. And I thought, hey, that looks interesting. And I kind of left it at that. So I graduated from BU back in May of 2014, and I moved back here to Miami, Florida. And you know, I was looking for a job. And I went on the, um, the BU alumni like career portal, and it had a job in clinical trials actually right here in our neighborhood in Miami. And I decided to apply. I got the job, and that was at a CRO, which is a clinical research organization. CROs act as a liaison between sites where they actually administer the drug and between sponsors who actually create the drug. And I had that position for a couple months. And I loved it. And I knew that I wanted to continue working in the industry. And after holding that job, I found my way back into Boston seven months post-graduation. And I've had a career in the industry ever since. So um, for people that may not be familiar with the construct of clinical trials and clinical trial, um, can you describe what that is? Sure. Um, so getting a drug to market can take anywhere from 10 to 15 years. Um, sponsor companies, you know, like big ones like Moderna and Pfizer that have been lately, you know, they'll do years and years of work in the lab trying to find you know, correct you know, drug combination and all the molecules to work, um, you know, to get this into humans. Uh, so they'll do, you know, a lot of, you know, mice studies or, you know, chimpanzee studies um, and they'll analyze that data throughout a couple of years and then finally once they you know look at the data and have something that they think works you know they'll start you know moving that into the clinic 
Um, once a drug is ready to go into the clinic, you know, you go through a long process with the FDA. Um, once the FDA actually approves, you know, your study protocol, that's when you can start working with sites, at least in the U.S., uh, to get this drug into patients. Great. Thank you. Thank you so much. So um, can you help us understand how COVID is helping the public understand clinical trials better? Oh, this is a great question. I think it's definitely helping literacy, uh, just all around clinical trials. You know, anytime I've ever you know, told someone who's outside of, you know, the clinical trials industry that I work in the industry, I'll be honest, most of the time I don't get a good reaction. And I think it just comes from a place of ignorance. Um, you know, I've had people say, oh, clinical trials, you know, you're, you know, doing harm to patients, you're giving them drugs that haven't been approved, how is it safe, you know, on and on and on. And I think that now with the COVID vaccine, the public is learning, you know, how tough it is to get a drug approved and how you have to go for, you know, you know three phases of trials, you know, each phase has, you know, exponential number of patients. We need to present that data to the FDA. The FDA reviews that data in detail, and then they'll either approve or not approve, you know, for the drug to move into market. So I think this is a great opportunity for, you know, people across the world to learn, you know, how important clinical trials are, and also to have more trust in the process and learn that you know, patient safety is a cornerstone of the industry. Well, that's really interesting. And I think, you know, this is so timely, your episode, um, because, yeah. you know, vaccine, two vaccines are out in the US. There's another one that may be coming out by the time this episode is released. And to get to the point of being released, they've had to go through clinical trials. Correct. Yeah, with Moderna's phase three, they had a minimum of 30,000 volunteers. So think of 30,000 patients, two doses of the vaccine. I'm sure they were followed for you know, X amount of months. All of that data that's been compiled, um, plus the patients in phases one and two. So that's all the data that the FDA had to review and they deemed it you know, acceptable for approval. And the same goes for Pfizer. And of course, you know all the other vaccines that are on the way. It's very exciting because you know I think as uh, a person who uh, may not be familiar with clinical trials, um, it seemed so fast getting these vaccines out, but a lot of the issues that we might've seen in the past for getting these out to the public um, weren't, didn't have to be addressed. Right. Um, and anything you wanna comment on that? Because I, I know that People were thinking, well, it's com they're coming out so quickly. Right. Yeah, I do. I, there's something I want to comment about that. So when you submit, when you submit information to the FDA for a drug, there's a traditional process, which is an IND, and then there's like for emergency use. So the so compiling an IND can take up, you know, a year. I just actually I filed one on Friday with my team, and we've been working on that for months. But you know, given the pandemic you know, companies like Moderna, Pfizer, and others have been able to take the emergency track route because it is of such importance to get this out. But that still, you know, does not value, you know, all of the data and, you know, 
research that these companies have done. And I do think that these vaccines are safe. If the FDA had seen anything that they deemed to be unsafe, they wouldn't have approved them. Great. That, you know, that gives all of us confidence in the vaccines. Uh, you know, I, I know that I'm eagerly waiting to have my vaccine. And what's been exciting is that Boston University is a vaccination site um, for our students, our faculty and staff. Yes, and I actually saw that on LinkedIn today. You know, you guys are really lucky and I hope that the rollout at the U goes very, very well. Yeah, it's really exciting. I'm gonna to change topics for a moment. And um, I know that you are beginning to host students in health science practicums at the biotech company where you're currently working. Can you tell us about that? It's very exciting. Sure, yeah, so that's gonna start, uh, in, I hope to start in the summer, I hope to get students. You know, Kelly obviously can't guarantee a student. Um, but I, I hope that I get them. Um, I did the practicum back, back in 2013 at the Mass Department of Public Health. And, you know, I, it was through that internship, I realized I, I didn't want to take the public health route in my career. So it was very helpful in that regard. And, you know, the experience I had there definitely opened doors for me when I was looking for work, you know, post-graduation. And I would like to give that same opportunity to students in the health science uh, practicum being that I I was there not that long ago. Um, you know, I hope to get students that at a minimum have a curiosity about clinical trials and they can see, you know, everything that goes on, you know, at the sponsor side, internal meetings, working with sites, you know, especially sites that are having, let's say, enrollment issues, sites that are enrolling well, you know, looking at how we're distributing drug across you know, sites around the globe. Um, you know, I could go on forever. So I'm really looking forward to later this year giving that learning opportunity to students um, at Sargent. So someone who's listening to this episode of Health Matters and is getting excited about clinical, the clinical trials industry, mm -hmm. what advice would you give them for um, figuring out how to get started? Oh, that's such a great question. Um, well, especially if you're in the Boston area, you're very, very lucky because there are, I think, countless biotech companies, you know, in Cambridge and also just in the greater Boston area in general. Um, you know, there are also, you know, CROs that you can work with, um, you know, like the big ones, um, you, know, have, you know, have offices in and around Boston. I think the best advice, I think LinkedIn is such a great source. And I would start looking for, you know, jobs that, that's, that'll say, let's say like a clinical trial assistant or a clinical trial associate. Um, if you definitely want to be on the operations side of clinical trials, um, sponsor companies that have labs also have, you know, associate lab roles or any research technician roles um, that students can look for. And that's a great way you know, to get in the door. Um, also doing a practicum. Uh, can be a good way. Um, also, some companies uh, will host students, almost like kind of like Northeastern's like co-op. Some some companies will do that. Will host students for a number of months so they can start working, ha start having working experience. So I think that there are just a lot of options out there, especially in the greater Boston area. So what you're describing are um, 
in-person um, types of jobs. With COVID, um, were people able to work in this industry virtually as well? Yes. So I've been, you know, I obviously don't work in any lab. I've been remote uh, since March, which is actually why I'm in Miami. I live in Boston. Um, I can tell you that everything has gone seamlessly. Um, I, you know, where I work now, which is Cullinan Oncology, we don't have a lab. You know, our, our model is a little bit different. But at a previous company where I was last year, we did have a lab. And, you know, like scientists, you know, from my recollection, you know, had like a rotating schedule where only one scientist would go in, you know, like let's say once a day and stuff like that. So obviously the lab work, you know, was still getting completed, but obviously it's not like, you know, pre-COVID where multiple scientists could be in the lab. Um, but, you know, I'm not the best person to speak on that. Uh, but I just think the industry as a whole has just propelled forward, you know, COVID and all. Um, I will say, COVID has, you know, had an impact on enrollment. And I think that goes really to any indication. Um, you know, I, I haven't said this thus far, but I, most of my experience has been in oncology. Um, and I have seen enrollment delays. And I think the same goes, you know, for any other type of clinical trial, if it's cardiology or nephrology or dermatology, it's just tough to get patients in the clinic because obviously patients, you know, don't want to be in a hospital unless they absolutely to the pandemic. Yes, absolutely. I'm going to just change um, one last topic uh, till the end of our, our episode. Now, you are a relatively new member of the Sargent College Alumni Board. Yes, 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 yes. I think I joined uh, in October going into November. Yes. So a couple of things. Um, what motivated you to join? Mm -hmm. and um, your, your role as an alum with Sargent. Maybe talk about that as well. Sure. Uh, so ever since I graduated, uh, I've been attending the, just the annual alumni undergrad event that happens, I think it's the first Monday of November. So those events, you know, pre-COVID, all in person, um, you know, Sargent would host alumni from just a variety of sergeant they split us up you know with students that had interest in whatever we were doing um you know now career-wise or what we had majored in and you know we'd give them advice on interview resume and linkedin and you know, stuff like that and i always loved connecting with the students and i'd actually email with some of them after the event giving them some advice but i always felt that i just wish we had more time so uh, just through my alumni connections, I ended up uh, getting in touch with Kelly, and you know I shared this with her, and I told her how I felt that we should make this into a class for both undergrads and grads, just a professional development class where you know you can speak to in detail on you know how to sell yourself in an interview, how to get an offer, how to negotiate an offer, how to deal with office politics, how to dress and present yourself, just a variety of things that you have to worry about once you're in the working world. Um, obviously, this hasn't happened yet. That still doesn't mean I'm not going to pester Kelly until something happens, because I think that this is a resource that would make Sargent students much more competitive when they get into the workplace. Oh, that's fabulous. Yes, I hope it becomes a reality, because 
that's extremely important. And thank you for Yeah, and you're such an exemplar um, alumni um, to you know open up your uh, the company that you're working at for practicum sites um, to be on the alumni board. Um, so, is there any advice you'd like to give? to maybe our new alums mm -hmm. um, graduating from, from Sargent College and in any of our professions? Oh, absolutely. I think the best advice is to not get discouraged you know, during the job searching process. Um, you know, and obviously, you know, we don't have that much time, but I can tell you, you know, I didn't end up now where I am happy just right off the bat. You know, it's, I'm nearing almost seven years since I graduated. And I can tell, you know, recent alumni, it can take a couple jobs or even a couple years post-graduation to end up, you know, where you want to be. You know, that um, that practicum I did at the Massachusetts Department of Public Health, and that showed me that was actually what I didn't want to do as a career. And I think the first couple of jobs that you have after graduation can sometimes teach you what you don't want to do or you can have the opposite effect. They can kind of guide you where you do want to go. Um, but it's important to not get discouraged. I think it's a numbers game. I think you have to keep applying and applying until you get an interview. And once you're at the interview, just, just try to excel and sell yourself as much as you can. Um, because it's really the, sometimes the hardest thing is getting a job. And then once you have a job and you start having you know, work experience on your resume, it makes it so much easier to find a new job, even if you're changing from one field to another. Well, that's really good advice because job hunting is not for the faint-hearted. And particularly with COVID as a new mm -hmm. grad, it's, it's not easy. But there are lots of resources at Boston University. Mm -hmm. You mentioned one of them when you were job hunting. Can you mm -hmm. share that because I think that's a, a really great resource um, for new alums and maybe alums in general. Yeah, so I um, I forget exactly what it was called, but I think it was like alumni like career board or something like that. Um, so it, it had actually been the mom of, of, of someone who had gone to BU while I was at BU as well, and she had posted the job at the company where her daughter was, which is how I ended up you know, at the job here, um, that job back then in Miami. Um, so what I, from what I, from what I remember, you know, I was able to filter jobs that were healthcare related, um, tailored towards sergeant graduates. So there were a lot of filters and that, and that made it much easier. So I wasn't getting jobs, let's say for like economics or architecture, you know, that weren't the type of jobs that I was targeting. Um, so I think students should definitely leverage their alumni network, whether that's in person or on LinkedIn or, you know, on this like job portal uh, that BU still has. Um, and the other thing I can tell recent graduates or you know, rising seniors is don't be scared to email an alumni. You know, just, I think it's in our human nature to want to help people, and especially now with COVID. It sometimes just takes that one email or phone call to open a door for you. So I would definitely uh, encourage everybody to use that. Great. And, you know, I think being an alum from our illustrious university and college, 
really makes a difference. So thank you for being an exemplar terrier. Thank you, Karen. Thank you so much. And thank you for being on Health Matters. 